Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Simplifying the Sod. In this class, we will review the Parashat of Pinhas. We will talk about reincarnation, which is some of the focus of the Zohar on this week's Parashat. It relates to Zimri, who he was, who he was become. We're also going to focus on the actions of Pinhas and the lessons that they bring to us. This class was originally recorded in 5780. Let's start with... Uh with uh, the first time we see Moshe meeting Hashem. It's interesting that Moshe Rabbeinu, he comes to uh, the burning bush, and uh, he's having this discussion with Hashem, and uh, they're talking about, uh, okay, go and save my people. And uh, Moshe turns to Hashem and he says, Vayomer, biadoni, please, my master, shelach na beyad tishlach, send in the hand of the person you're going to send. Send someone else. Don't send me. Now, we know Moshe didn't want to go. But what was the reason Moshe didn't want to go? So the rabbis tell us that Moshe did not want to go because he didn't want to do half a job. He didn't want to do a partial job. He wanted to finish the whole job. Meaning, if you're going to tell me to save the people, I want to save the people. I want to be the Mashiach. And that's it. Finished. All done. We're we're done. We're over. And... uh, so uh says, says, says that Moshe realized that uh okay it's not going to be him. One of the interesting things we uh we had questions on this week a number of people questioned us about Moshe Rabenu last week uh the sin of Moshe Rabenu what was the sin of Moshe did he sin how did he sin but it seems that the reality is that when Moshe shows up at the burning bush and he says shelach beyad you know, Shelach Nabiyat Tishlach, send with whoever you're going to send. Moshe realized that he wasn't going all the way. He realized that uh, from day one that that he wasn't going to be the person to complete the process. And uh, one of the interesting things is, in order to complete the process, in order to grow, a person has to have levels of challenges. The rabbis tell us that Moshe was like the sun. Bnei Israel were like the stars. Yeshua was like the moon. In the sunshine, we can barely see the moon and we really can't see the stars. So in order for the stars to shine, in order to give a chance for the people to shine, it was necessary for Moshe not to be in the picture. So now Moshe, in the very beginning, is realizing, you know, I'm not going to complete, but send, send the guy who's going to finish the job. Send the guy who's going to do the whole thing. It's interesting, Targum Yonatan writes, he says, he says who was he talking about, Moshe? And he says, send now the person who you're going to send, send Pinchas, who you're going to send in the end of days. So now the first time Hashem is meeting Moshe, Moshe is telling Hashem, don't send me, send Pinchas, my brother's grandson, instead of me. Huh? Isn't he referring to Eliyahu Navi, who's going to come at the end of the days? But we know that when we have a Brit Milah, we have a song, and what do we sing? Pinchas is Eliyahu. How is Pinchas Eliyahu? How is he Eliyahu Anavi? So we see Moshe Rabbeinu, in the very beginning, he comes to Hashem and tells Hashem, Hashem, don't send me. Send the guy who's going to finish the job. The guy who's going to finish the job is my great nephew Pinchas, who is also Eliyahu Anavi. Which one is it? So we have to understand a little bit of difference between a Gilgul, a reincarnation, and an Ibur. An Ibur is a 
pregnancy of a soul, it's translated. It's actually a soul adding on to another soul to assist that first soul. The way the rabbis explain it is that when Pinchas went to strike Zimri and Kozbi, that's at the very end of last week's parasha, and that's how we begin this week's parasha. So you see Zimri took the woman Kozbi from the Midianites and he brought her in his tent. He challenged Moshe and said, you're allowed to take a Midianite, I'm not. He went to sleep with her. And Pinchas comes. And Pinchas is going to go while they're in the act and he's going to take them with a, with a spear and he's going to kill them. Now what happens is he goes into the tent and he becomes very, very afraid. When he was so afraid, Pinchas, his soul left him. The Neshama Pinchas flew away. As the Neshama Pinchas flies away, what happens? Two Neshamot come and enter together. Two Neshamot come and enter the body of Pinchas to give him strength. Who are those two Neshamot? His uncles, Nadav and Avihu. The two of them who died come back into Pinchas. That's why it talks about Pinchas as if he's the son of Aaron. Interesting, because he really has the soul of the two sons of Aaron. In addition to the souls of Nadav and Avihu, because they don't only come in pairs, there's always an odd number it seems. Eliyahu Hatishvi comes into Pinchas. There was a soul already, maybe a soul as a level of an angel, it's hard to understand, which is called Eliyahu Navi. And this soul comes in with Nadav and Avihu into Pinchas. Now, hundreds of years later, Pinchas is still alive. We see in the Tanakh that Pinchas is still there in the story of Yiftach and Yiftach's daughter, when Yiftach makes a vow. What happens is Pinchas should have nullified the vow of Yiftach when he said the first two is going to come out, I'm going to sacrifice, it was his daughter. Yiftach's vow should have been nullified by Pinchas, but Pinchas was punished because he didn't go to Yiftach to do that. And therefore we see that when Hashem gives him Brit Shalom, if you look at the Vav, there's a break in the Vav. Why is there a break? Because he messed up a little bit with Yiftach. When he messes up with Yiftach, Pinchas, this is maybe 300 years after we're talking about now, what happens? The soul of Nadab and Avihu leave him, and they go into who? Shemuel HaNavi, Samuel the prophet. The rabbis explained that at that point he retained the spark of Yosef. The souls of Nadav and Avihu come back later to join him, along with the other parts of Eliyahu, which is related, the rabbis explain, there's Eliyahu HaTishvi, there's Eliyahu HaGiladi, there's Eliyahu HaNavi, these are all different aspects of the soul of Eliyahu. We have Eliyahu as a spirit that jumps the world. We also have Eliyahu in a body who comes and visits people sometimes. It gets very wild with regard to Eliyahu. But the, the idea of Pinchas and Eliyahu is more or less, it's a, involving Ibor, meaning a pregnancy or an added soul to an existing soul, rather than a reincarnation. We see in this parashat, there's also reincarnation. We have, at the time of Yaakov Avinu, we have the story of Yaakov coming back after he comes back from his father-in-law. They're dwelling in the land. And Dina goes out to see what's the story with the people. Shechem, Ben Hamor, the prince of Shechem, his name is also Shechem, he sees her, he takes her, and what happens is they make him a deal, he's going to circumcise himself and all of his people, 
later on, Shimon and Levi, when the people are recovering, they go in, they kill all 24,000 people, they kill Shechem, and they take back their sister. So now, what happens here is, I could just imagine for a second, because I'm going to quote you here what it says in uh, Yalkut Reuveni. He writes that Shechem felt a tremendous love and passion for Dina. And this feeling came due to an inner soul connection which he had with Dina. And he asked the question, how does a Goy have this tremendous passion for this Jewish woman? He says, because often there's a Kiddushah hidden within the Klippa, and this Kiddushah was hidden in Shechem, and, and uh, the inner soul connection was there with Dina, and it desired to be elevated and purified. We see this often where we have people who uh, a goy that wants to convert. There's inside them. There's this, this, uh, this holy spark that needs to be reattached. So now, what happens? Acting on his passion, Shechem, instead of figuring out a way to do it legally, he violates Dina, but he still wants to take her for a wife. Dina, at some point, felt this connection. And after, even after the initial violation, she refused to leave. And her brothers had to force her by telling her she would eventually marry. She has a child, and the child is called Shaul ben HaKananit. This person, Shaul, eventually becomes Zimri. Now watch. So Shechem is with Dina. They have a child. That child is... Shaul ben Hakanani, who becomes Zimri. He's Zimri. What happens to this Zimri? The soul of the soul of Shechem goes into Zimri. Zimri now has the soul of his father, who's Shechem, and that reincarnates into him. The soul of Dina reincarnates into Kozbi, the princess from Midian. And the 24,000 people who were killed in Shechem reincarnate into the 24,000 people from the tribe of Shimon who would be killed now. I could just imagine for a second. You have the people of Shechem, 24,000 people and Shechem himself. Every one of them at the word of, of the sons of Yaakov, they went and they, made a, they got a Brit Milah. They got a Brit Milah. And what happens? Three days after they have a Brit Milah, they're killed. They get up to heaven and they say, Hey, it's not fair. We went and we had a Brit Milah. We did what we were supposed to do and you had us killed. And Hashem says, Ah, did you do it for the right reason or did you do it for the wrong reason? They said, No, we did it for the right reason. Okay, I'm going to test you. I'm going to send you back as the 24,000 people of the tribe of Shimon. I'm going to send you back Shechem as Zimri, and you're going to see if you could be Shomer the Brit, and if you did it for the right reason. So after her death, writes the Yakut Reveni, after her death, after Dina's death, she reincarnates into Kozbi, and Hashem arranges for her to meet Zimri, which was the soul of Shechem. The whole story happens again. When Zimri and Kozbi meet, they once again have a tremendous passion. They're driven together by some unexplainable force. Unfortunately, they fail the test. 
they succumb, succumb to their inclination and their desires. They sin, causing 24,000 men of Shimon to die. Now the question is, if Zimri is a leader of Kalal Yisrael, he's the leader of the tribe of Shimon, he's at such a high level, how is it possible for Zimri to sin in this fashion? The Meishi Loach explains that this was because Zimri had prophetic vision and he saw that he and Kozbi shared the same soul. They shared their soul. They were two parts of a union. And holiness would eventually become to the world through them. That, in fact, is very similar to what happened with Moshe and Siporah. Moshe and Siporah, Siporah is also a Midianite woman. Why did Moshe agree to marry her? Because he saw through prophecy that holiness was within her and that would come out. Moshe decided to attach his holiness to her. After... She converted, whatever that means, primatan Torah, converting. I don't know what that means. Zimri, however, jumped the gun. He became intimate with Kozbi prior to having go through any process. Before her sublimation to Kedusha. The Asharam Mamarot does not elaborate further on the journey of these two souls, but the Arizal does. Rab Chaim Vital, in Sefer HaGilgulim, explains that the souls of Dina and Shechem, which reincarnate into Zimri, the leader of Shimon, and Kozbi, the princess, later again reincarnate into Rabbi Akiva, and the wife of the Roman aristocrat by the name of Tunis Rufus. The Gemara in Avodah Zarah, page 20, the Amud Aleph, writes that the wife of Tunis Rufus was the most beautiful woman in the world at the time. Her husband would debate with Rabbi Akiva and he would always lose. Her husband hated Rabbi Akiva. The wife of Tunis Rufus tells her husband, I'm going to get revenge for you against Rabbi Akiva. How? We know the God of the Jews hates hates people who... uh, who act out of uh, passion, who act incorrectly, who do the wrong things. She says, what am I going to do? I am going to go and seduce him. Once I seduce him, he's going to sin and he's going to lose everything. And no one, no one in the world can pass on me. So she dresses in her nicest uh, clothing or lack of clothing and goes to seduce Rabbi Akiva. When Rabbi Akiva sees her, the Gemara says, he spits, he laughs, and he cries. She says, why are you spitting? Because you come from just a, a tipab, nothing. And why are you crying? Because eventually, so beautiful you are, you're going to be buried in the ground with the maggots. And why are you laughing? He says, I can't tell you. I can't tell you. She was so impressed by the behavior and the reaction of Rabbi Akiva that he did not simply go with his passions, that he did not simply become a slave to his physical desires. She was so, so impressed by how he treated women and how women were not just objects that what did she do? She went and started to study Torah on the side and she continued to study Eventually, her husband, Tunis Rufus, the enemy of Rabbi Akiva, dies. She comes to convert. And after she converts, 
Who does she marry bringing along the wealth of Tunis Rufus? Rabbi Akiva. So the journeys of the two souls, of Shechem and Dinah, of Cosby and Zimri, finally become united through the marriage of Rabbi Akiva and the wife of Tunis Rufus. It says, this elevates the holiness. They were able to, to overcome the test. They were able to overcome the test to hold back. And therefore, they were able to make a tikkun. We see a number of connections. We see there were 24,000 students of Rabbi Akiva. There were 24,000 people who died after, after the worshipping of Baal Peor. And we see the 24,000 people in Shechem. We also see another strange thing. How did Shechem die? He died with the steel of the sword. How did... How did... Uh, how did... Uh, Zimri die? Zimri died with the steel of the spear. And how did Rabbi Akiva die? With the steel of the comb. The iron, the comb that, that they, the, the Romans, Yimach Shimam, killed him. So there's a connection between all of them. So we see Gilgul is really Hashem giving us a chance. Giving us a chance again and again. You failed, no worries. We're going to give you a chance to do it again. You failed, don't worry. We're going to give you a chance to do it again. And God willing, we all get it right. But let's go back to Pinchas, and we're going to try to better understand Pinchas. In this week's parasha of Pinchas, we read that Hashem says to Moshe, Pinchas ben Elazar, ben Aharon HaKohen, He turned back my wrath from Bnei Israel when he zealously avenged me among them, so I did not consume Bnei Israel. Therefore, give him my covenant of Shalom, Brit Shalom. Says, Yalkut Shemoni, Lachen, Emor, Hineni noten lo, et beriti shalom. Therefore, know that I'm giving him my covenant of peace. Amar Rabbi Shimon ben Lakish. Rabbi Shimon ben Lakish says, Pinchas hu Eliyahu. Pinchas is Eliyahu. Amar lo akadosh baruchu. Hashem said to him, Ata natata shalom ben Israel ubeni. You created peace between Bnei Israel and me in this world. Also in the future, you will be the one who will also make peace between me and my son, meaning Bnei Israel. As it says, so it says that Hashem is going to send Eliyahu Navi on that great day, and the father will the Hashiv live avot, and the 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 heart of the father will return to the children. This coincides with the commentary of Targum Yonatan. He says, "I'm establishing a peace covenant with him, with Pinchas, and will transform Pinchas into a Malach who will live forever to herald the redemption at the end of days." In other words. Pinchas merits to be Eliyahu, who will announce the future redemption the Geulat Israel. In reality, for saving Bnei Israel from extermination, Pinchas was rewarded measure for measure with eternal life. What's the connection measure to measure? Because his act of self-sacrifice in killing Zimri and Kozbi, he put his life at stake because when he went into that tent, they could have killed him and nothing would have happened to them. They would have been permitted to kill him. He's, he risks his life that all the people of Shimon are not going to kill him. Therefore, he's given eternal life. 
the Zohar Kadosh tells us in Parshat Pinchas, regarding the battle that Pinchas waged, he waged the battle with the Malach HaMavet, with the angel of death. What happened? The plague started because of what was happening with, with Zimri and Kozbi, and the people were dying. And what did he do? When he killed, when he killed Zimri and Kozbi, the plague stops. Explains the Zohar Kadosh. It says that Pinchas ben Elazar, the son of Aaron Kohen, he rose from the midst of the assembly, and what happened? He saw. What did he see, the rabbis ask? What did he see? Did he see that they're, they're together? It says he perceived widely, he perceived wisely, says the Zohar, that the letter Mem, whatever this could mean, the letter Mem was floating in the air, and the letter Mem was completely covered in blood. Covered in blood. Was suspended above the, of the heads of B'nai Israel, this letter Mem. He perceived that this letter Mem was a sign of the Malach Hamavit, the angel of death, attempting to unite the letter Mem with the Vav Tet, Mavit, death, and bring death to B'nai Israel Shalom. Pinchas reacted by uttering the Shema Meforash, the special name of Hashem. And upon realizing that Pinchas then, and what did he do when he said it? He grabs the letter Mem. Upon realizing that Pinchas had snatched the letter Mem away from him, the Malach HaMavet, he immediately backs away. What does Pinchas do? He now takes that Mem from the Malach HaMavet, the one that he grasped, and he adds it to his own name. What does that mean? The gematria of Pinchas is 208. The gematria of 208 is Resh and Chet, 208. He adds the Mem in between, Resh Mem Chet, and this is, the, this is Ramach Beyado. He takes the spear in his hand, and this is the power of this spear. It's the power of the spear. So, we see the event, the Pasuk states, Vayikach, he took... He took the Ramach in his hand. In other words, he used the letter Mem, which he took from the Malach HaMavet, and he snatched away from the Malach HaMavet, he snatched away his ability. And it says, and the Magifah stops from Bnei Israel. So this is the interpretation of the Pasuk. Pinchas ben Elazad ben Aaron HaKohen, Heshiv Chamati me'al Bnei Israel. He deflected the wrath of the letter Mem, which hung full of blood over the heads of Bnei Israel, when he zealously avenged Hashem among them through the Mem, through the Mem. So through the saving of the Mem, he saves Bnei Israel. Rav Yitzchak Isaac of Kamarna. He has a commentary on the Zohar, and there he writes, In the future, HaKatosh Baruch Hu will bring the Yetzer Hara, and he'll slaughter him in front of all the Sadiqim, in, in front of the wicked. It says in the Gemara, in, the, in Gemara Mesechet Sukkah, that Hashem is going to take the Malach HaMavet. He's going to take the Satan, it's the same one. And he's going to slaughter him in front of the righteous and in front of the wicked. The, Zoli, the Holy Zohar, the Midrashim tell us, that we should know what is the name of Malach HaMavet. What is the name of Satan? The name of the Satan is Samach Mem Aleph Lamed. We use a short Samach Mem. 
Samach Mem Sam. We use this name. This is the name of the Malach HaMavit. The Baal Shem Tov reveals that in the future, what's Hashem going to do? How is He going to slaughter the Malach HaMavit? He's going to remove from the, from the word Samach Mem Aleph Lamed. He's going to remove the Mem. And all we're going to have left is the Samach Aleph Lamed, which if we look in the 72 names of Hashem, is one of the names of Hashem and represents a Malach. And he's going to turn the Satan, this Samach Mem, into a good Malach. He's going to transform the Samach Mem from the Malach HaMavet into an angel of Kiddushah. This is the words of the Baal Shem Tov. The Sefer Kehilat Yaakov states that the letter Mem from the name Samach Mem, from the name of the Satan, alludes to the word Mavet, meaning death, signifying the fact that he uses this mem in his name to kill his victims. For the Yetzer Hara is the Malach HaMavet, as it says in the Gemara, who's Satan? He's the Satan. Who Yetzer Hara? He's the Yetzer Hara. Who Malach HaMavet? He's the Malach HaMavet. Says, what does he do? He takes this mem and he uses it to kill. We're going to remove the mem, and what's going to happen then? Like the Pasuk says that every time we tell someone who's sitting, when we tell them that they should, they should know no more sorrow, we say, Death will be swallowed up forever. The Mem will be removed from the Samach Mem's name, and therefore there won't be death anymore. That's how he gets killed. Or that's how he gets slaughtered and transformed. Pinhas battles the Malach HaMavet, whose name is Samach Mem. He extracts the Mem from the death the Mavet, from his name. The Malach HaMavet intended to annihilate Israel Chas Shalom in the aftermath of what they did and they sinned in Shittim. He was hoping to utilize the evil portion of his name, the letter Mem, this instrument of death, and as a result, Pinchas's actions turn him from Samach Mem to Samach Aleph Lamed, transforming him in essence potentially into a good Malach. Now we can understand why Pinchas later on is rewarded by being Eliyahu Navi. Why he is Eliyahu Navi? Because in the end of days, who's the one who's going to come and transform death? There's no more death. Who's the one who's going to transform and destroy the Malach HaMavet? That's going to be at the end of days, and that's going to be the time of Eliyahu Navi. So for what Pinhas did at that point where he stopped the Malach HaMavet, in the future he's rewarded to be associated with Hashem stopping the Malach HaMavet in the end of days. So it would be fitting that the Malach HaMavet would have no power over him, allowing Pinhas Eliyahu to live forever, and it's suited that he would be the one to herald in the days when the Malach HaMavet is not going to be around anymore. So this is the meaning of Elazar ben Aharon HaKohen, Heshivir Hamatim al ben Yisrael. Because he took it betocham, betoch mem, through the mem, in all the effect of Pinchas' actions, was similar to the events that, the, 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 the events that will take place in the future. Another aspect. The Gemara says, When Zimri, the son of Salu, sinned with Kozbi, the daughter of Sor, the halacha concerning one who has intimate relations with a non-Jewish woman momentarily escaped Moshe. Then Pinchas comes along. He recalls and he says to Moshe, Moshe Rabbeinu, didn't you teach us? Didn't you teach me that when you, when you came down from Har Sinai, 
that one who has intimate relations with this woman should be struck dead by a zealot? Moshe replies to Pinchas, that since you're the one who recalls the halacha, you should go and deliver the message. You should go and take care of it. The commentaries labor over Pinchas' statement to Moshe. Why did he specifically say to Moshe, Moshe, when you came down from Har Sinai, don't you remember you told us? What does he have to bring up that you came down from Har Sinai? That's when you told us. The Shalach Kadosh exclaims, The Yetzer Hara, again he brings the same thing, is known by the name Samach Mem. And he's sustained by the letters Am Aleph Lamed. Now we know every Malach, their name generally ends with the letters Aleph Lamed. This is El, the name of Hashem, and this is what sustains the Malach. We have Gavriel, Michael, Raphael, Uziel. All the angels end with the Aleph Lamed, and that's what sustains them. The same is the Samach Mem. His name is Samach Mem Aleph Lamed, and this is what sustains him as well, the Aleph Lamed. The Shalak Kadosh says, the Yetzir Hara is known as the Samach Mem Aleph Lamed. In the future, what is Hashem going to do? He's going to cut off the Aleph Lamed from his name. He's going to break the power of the Aleph Lamed, which gives him energy. He's going to break it. And he's going to leave him, leave him without the Aleph Lamed. The question though is, didn't we just say that Hashem's going to take away the Mem and leave him as Samach Aleph Lamed and then he's going to be transformed into a good angel? So which one is it? Is Hashem going to take away the Mem? Or is Hashem going to cut off the final letters of the Aleph Lamed? The rabbis teach us that Hashem specifically used the name of the Samach Mem as Samach Mem Aleph Lamed in order to revert, take out the Mem and bring it to the name Samach Aleph Lamed, which is the name of Kedushah. Now he also has the El, which is sustained. So again, we say, which one is it? So we saw an answer from Rabbi Eliezer Lippa, the son of Rabbi Elimelech of Lejins, brought, brought by the Shvilei Pinchas, which is really most of the Shior. He suggests the way to deprive the Samach Mem from drawing sustenance from the letters Aleph Lamid is transforming the open Mem into a closed Mem. Now, if you recall, last week we mentioned that the negative forces are within the, the letters of the, of the alphabet. There are 22 letters and there are five Sofit letters. The five Sofit letters are the letters we refer to as Mansapach. Why do we say that those are the negative powers? Because they're ends. They stop. They don't continue. So they don't continue. They don't flow through. So the negativity is within those five letters. So now if we look at the same idea, we're going to see the same idea in the reverse relating to the Mem, relating to the angel Samach Mem. As long as the Mem within the name of the Samach Mem is an open Mem, is a regular Mem that flows, then the Samach Mem gets its power from the Aleph Lamed. But if you transform that Mem from a regular Mem to a Mem Sofit, it stops. So it breaks the Samach Mem from the Aleph Lamed. It breaks the connection of the word from the beginning to the end of the word. The Torah was given to B'nai Israel for the purpose of safeguarding our Kedushah. It says that the, the safeguarding of a Kedushah is reflected in the Mem Sofit, the final Mem. How? The final Mem is shaped like a, block, like a, like a box. It's closed on all sides and that resembles a protection. 
the Megaleh Amukot writes that Bnei Israel traveled in a camp with four sides closed, and the four sides again are like this mem, which he refers to as the mem, which protects Bnei Israel. Nevertheless, the Yetzir Hara tries to transform the mem and break into the mem. It tries to break through the Kedushah, looks for any opening, and through the opening, which is the open mem, because if you look at the open mem, it's only open a little bit on the bottom. It looks to get in and to break the whole thing apart. So when Hashem gave us the Torah, by requiring Moshe Rabbeinu to remain in the heavens 40 days and 40 nights, this was meant to teach us that the reason the Torah was given to B'nai Israel was for 40. What's 40? The mem, in order to form a border around Bnei Israel in order to close the Mem and that's what Moshe has 40 days and 40 nights it also explains why Rabbeinu HaKadosh when he wrote the Mishnah he begins the Mishnah with the words Me'ematai an open Mem and he closed the Mishnah with Beshalom with peace so what happens you start with an open Mem and the whole purpose of learning is in order to close the Mem in order to bring it into protection this illustrates again why the Torah was given to us over a 40-day period to protect like a fortified wall like this Mem. So Rabbeinu HaKadosh begins the Mishnah open, closes the Mishnah closed, and therefore the learning of the Mishnah is what brings us protection. Rabbeinu Bachya comments on the fact that we find two instances in Tanakh where if we look in the letters of the, of the, of the Pesukim, we see that in the middle of a word, there's a mem that has a closed mem, and in the end of a word, there's a mem that has an open mem, reverse of the rules. He explains from here that it allows us to understand that in order to protect ourselves, we have to take the open mem and convert it into a closed mem. This, we, we see the significance then of the name of the Malach HaMavit of being Samach Mem. Why? Because what do we want to do? We want to take the open Mem within his name, close the Mem within his name, and in essence, what does that do? It breaks off the Mem from the Aleph Lamed and eliminates the power of the Samach Mem. So how do we take the open Mem and two into a closed Mem? Through our learning, through our connection, through building the border, we're able to break the power of Satan, we're able to break the power of Malach HaMavet, which is exactly what, is what, is what uh, Pinchas did. Based on what we learn, we begin to comprehend why Moshe revealed the Halakha about someone who's intimate with a Goya on Har Sinai, when he came down from Har Sinai. Why? Because to protect the sanctity... What's the worst way, what's the way we lose is when we have immorality. When we have immorality, everything breaks apart. So Moshe is saying he spent 40 days, 40 nights to build the Mem to close it. How do you keep it closed? By keeping sanctity. Says, and, and Moshe tells us in, in Devarim, you should not intermarry with them, you should not give your daughter to his son, you should not take the daughter for your son, he'll cause your child to turn away from after me, they'll worship God's other gods, Hashem's wrath will burn against you, etc., etc. We see that even in Egypt, at the 49th level of Tum'ah, the one thing Ben Israel did not do was intermarry with the Egyptians. Moshe Rabbeinu came from Har Sinai. Only after spending 40 days and 40 nights, he explains these 40 days are a level of Kiddushah. They, they become the fortified wall. And therefore, 
what Pinchas did, Pinchas conveyed, conveyed to Moshe exactly what he said. He said, didn't you tell us when you were descending from Har Sinai, didn't you tell us that it was crucial for us to keep the men closed? Look what's happening here. Look what Bnei Israel are doing in Shittim. They're breaking over the men with Moab through the council of, of Bil'am, through the actions of Zimri. They're breaching the wall of Kedushah, and as a result, a side of the closed mem is opened. And the open mem is a breach. This creates an opportunity for the Malach HaMavet to arouse his wrath. And the Malach HaMavet uses the mem of Mavet. And then the Malach HaMavet comes and comes to kill 24,000 people. Pinchas sees this mem floating. And what does he do? Filled with blood. And he goes to take this mem away from the Malach HaMavet to break his power by closing in the walls of Kedushah. The name Samach Mem, having an open mem, allows it to draw strength from the Aleph Lamed. By closing that mem, by closing it to a mem sofit, he takes away the power of the, of the Samach Mem. So he said, just as Pinchas, who was Eliyahu, restored peace between B'nai Sinai and HaKadosh Baruch Hu, in this world by sealing the breach in the wall of Kedushah, so we pray for the day that Eliyahu is going to come and he's going to again seal the breach. He's going to again seal the breach through the coming of the Mashiach. Tonight is Shiva Asar B'Tamuz. Tomorrow we fast. We fast because of the destruction of the Bet HaMikdash. The two Bet HaMikdashes were destroyed on Tisha B'Av. Shiva Asar B'Tamuz is the day that we finally they break through into the, into the temple. They break through, they break through walls. Breaking through walls is taking the mem, the 40 of the Torah, the 40 of the protection, and taking that mem and opening up that mem. What do we have to do? We have to reestablish ourselves, like Pinchas, like Eliyahu, to take back the mem through our connection to the Torah, through our learning of the Torah, through our families and bringing our families together, through building a wall around ourselves and families and community and all of our people, the wall of protection, in order to not allow the breach, in order to not allow the Samach Mem, the Satan, the, the Malach HaMavet, to have the power against us. We should be zocher as we go into Shiva Sabbat The breach was caused because a lack of love between us. Because we didn't do what we were supposed to do. We didn't connect properly. If we go and reestablish that love, reestablish that connection, we take the mem, we close up the mem, we break the power of Samach Mem to Aleph Lamid, we revert and remove the Mem in order to turn the negative angel, the Samach Mem, into Samach Aleph Lamid, and we bring Mashiach in the Rabbi Amenu Amen. Really, all this power is in our own hands. It's in our own hands. I think this is the biggest thing that the Torah is teaching us. That when Hashem, when Moshe comes to Hashem and he says, Shelach na tishlach, it's also, we always find this word na, nun Aleph, relating to Pinchas, relating to Eliyahu and Avi. Why? Nun Aleph is none other than Nadav and Avihu. But when Moshe says that, he's saying to Hashem, you know what? Let's wait for the end. Let's wait for the person to the end. But that's not the idea to wait for the end. That's not the idea of just to send the guy who's going to finish the whole thing. The process 
is part of it. The process of going from A to B to C to D, the process of growth, the process of correction, the process of being challenged and looking at that challenge, facing that challenge and overcoming that challenge. We have a soul that shechem, that fails with dina, that comes back as zimri, that fails with kozbi, that comes back as Rabbi Akiva and finally passes with the wife of Tunis Rufus. We have chances Hashem gives us. And like Rabbi Abitan always told us, it's never a matter of thinking in my next Gilgul, in my next life. Nothing to do with my next life. The rabbi would say, Hashem gives us a chance every single morning to start over. Every year we start over, bang, 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 start new. Face the same challenges at a different level, a chance to overcome. Every month, Rosh Chodesh, renewal, chance to overcome. Every week we go through Shabbat, start over again, chance to fix and renew. And every single morning, every single day, we have a chance to renew. This is really the secret of Gilgul. Not to say, oh, when I come back in another lifetime, forget the other lifetime. When I come back tomorrow morning, what am I going to do facing the challenges Hashem gives me? Hey, I don't want the challenges. They're not fair. They're too difficult. They're hard to overcome. But Hashem gives us challenges that He knows that we could handle. He knows that we could overcome. He knows that He gives us the strength. So what do we have to do? We have to face those challenges. And when we face and overcome those challenges, then what do we do? We're really closing up the men. We're fortifying. We're fulfilling what Hashem wanted. We're taking the test and we're saying to Hashem, okay, I passed the test. Okay, I don't want the test, but I passed the test and I'm able to move forward. Hashem, we should go this Hashem should, he says he's going to take the four fast days we read on Shabbat. The four fast days that we mentioned are all going to be changed from days of mourning to days of joy. Hashem, we're going to see in our days, all of these days change from days of mourning to days of of joy from day and we're going to see all of us together how we are going to slaughter the Samach Mem we're going to slaughter the Satan how by creating that Mem to break up the Samach Mem to separate his name to take away his power and then to actually transform the negative into positive that's the greatest ability that we have that we can transform the negative into positive I want to thank everybody for joining us today Shabbat Shalom everybody Have a wonderful, wonderful day. We'll post the recording and whoever wants a copy can get one. Any questions, anyone could let me know.